Hey everyone, my name is Andrew. Jeremy here. And you're listening to Qlibs. Welcome back to another Qlibs episode, everyone. Today we have a simplified speech episode for y'all, which is our series where we have completely natural. English conversations, but we speak just slightly slower than we do in our everyday lives. And today I'm joined by my co host from California, <laughs> Jeremy. Hi there. Hello, everyone. So, Jeremy, we recently recorded an episode about how to raise a bilingual child. And After we recorded the episode, you messaged me and said,、oh, I think I have some more things to say about this topic. So we decided to do a follow up episode and continue our discussion on raising a bilingual child because you have some more things to say, right? After we recorded that episode,、uh, I started to notice that my son's English had. Developed a lot more than his Korean. So, in the last few months, he has started to speak more and more. And I have noticed that when I ask him a question in English, he responds in English. But when I ask him the same question in Korean, he doesn't understand me. Okay, Jeremy, so let's get into the details here in just a moment. But before we do that, I would like to let all of our listeners know that there's a study guide available for this episode. So, guys, if you go to qlips.com and sign up for a qlips membership, you can get unlimited access to the study guides for all of our episodes. And the study guides are jam packed with things that will help you improve your English. There's a transcript. There are detailed vocabulary explanations and examples of how to use all of the key vocabulary that you'll hear Jeremy and I use here today. There's a quiz, there are comprehension questions, and perhaps best of all, if you become a premium member, you can have ad free audio too. So you don't have to hear me plug the study guide every episode, which is Quite nice, I'm sure. So just visit qlips.com to sign up and become a premium member and study with the study guides today. Okay, Jeremy, let's just recap a little bit about your specific situation. Sure. You have one son. And how old is he at the moment?、Uh, he's a little over two years old right now. He turned two,、uh, let's see, about three and a half months ago, three months ago.、Mm. Okay. Are you still counting in months? Do you say like he's 27 months? Or when does, when does that stop? When do parents stop counting in months? I think it stops around two years old. Okay. But when I ask other parents at the park, How old is your, your daughter, or something like that? Yeah. The child is under three. Sometimes they will say, oh, two years and six months, or two years and three months, like that, because the differences 
are noticeable sometimes between a two and a half year old or a two, just a two year old, 24 months. Wow. So they're developing so rapidly that the difference of a month can make a big difference in their developmental yes. progress. Yeah. So parents like to know that when they ask about other kids right. as well. <laughs> oh, so. he should know how to share by now. He's yeah, 27 exactly. months. <laughs> we are learning sharing right now. That is where we are at right now. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay. So you have a young son. And what about your language backgrounds? You said you're trying to teach your child to speak Korean and English. You are a native English speaker, but also a, a Korean learner, right? Uh, yes, I would say that I am bilingual. I feel almost as comfortable in Korean as I do in English. There are just some topics and some situations in which I, I don't know the proper vocabulary. Um, but I speak Korean quite well in that regard. So I feel confident enough, and I also have been teaching Korean to Korean learners for the past five years or so, so I feel confident enough to help my son learn Korean. Okay, and perhaps we should talk about your wife's linguistic background as too, because she's also, of course, a very important <laughs> player. She plays a very important role as well. So what about your wife's linguistic background? Yeah, so my wife was born in Korea. So Korean is her first language, but she moved to the U.S. when she was nine years old. So her English is basically a native speaker level. She started learning at nine years old, and she speaks English just like a native speaker. She relearned Korean at a later age. We went back to Korea and we lived there together. We learned Korean together. Uh, but she really just revived her Korean. So she very quickly went back to basically a native speaker level in Korean as well. So we can definitely say that she is fully bilingual. Okay. So the challenge you have right now then is how to raise your son to be able to speak Korean in the USA, right? In a place where he's getting English coming at him from all, all sides, right? His peers are probably speaking English. If you go to the supermarket, he's going to hear English on the radio and all of the other shoppers are speaking English. All the other kids at the park are usually speaking English, yeah. Right, so the challenge is how to get him to... learn Korean where, yeah, you said that you're speaking English at home for the most part, except when you're with your in-laws, right? So we speak English mostly at home, but we speak Korean when we're with my in-laws, my wife's parents. They live nearby. And of course, my, uh, my in-laws, my son's grandma and grandpa, they speak Korean to him. But because they live here in the United States, they understand basic English. They don't speak very well, but they have to, to survive here. So they have, so they do understand a lot of basic English. And my son is speaking basic English right now. So 
because he can communicate with them in English and he can communicate with us in English, I think he hasn't felt the need to communicate in Korean. But I will say that he doesn't know that they are different languages yet. Mm-hmm. So we are trying to teach him that they are different languages. And in this episode today, I'd like to mention three tips for, okay. uh, for anyone who would like to raise a bilingual child. Um, and the first tip I have yes. is the child has to feel like the language is necessary. Okay. The child has to feel like the language is necessary. So how can you do that? How can you create a situation where he wants to use Korean because he has to? So with my in-laws, sometimes they don't understand the English that he is using. They don't understand the sentence that he says. So if that continues for a long time, eventually he will learn to switch to Korean because English doesn't work in that situation. So kind of, I guess you're putting some of the burden onto your in-laws, right? <laughs> It's like, speak Korean with him, please. They naturally tend to speak basic English with him uh, as well. And so recently I told them, uh, with you guys, he needs to speak Korean. Mm -hmm. So we decided that we will not call them grandma and grandpa. We will only call them harmony and haraboji. Those are the Korean words for those things. So when we say harmony, that is Korean grandma. And haraboji, that is Korean grandpa. So with my son, I have used that to tell him, oh, when you talk to harmony, you say this word. And when you talk to grandma, my mom, so my mother is grandma, when you talk to grandma, you say this word. And so I'm trying to teach him that, that some words work with harmony and some words work with grandma, but not both. Okay, they're not interchangeable. That the first one is that the child has to feel like they need the language. This, the second tip I'd like to mention is, we'll call it pairing words and phrases. So pairing. Okay, pairing. So matching, right? Matching. Mm -hmm. So we're matching the English word to the Korean word. So what we do these days is, if my son knows how to say something, like thank you or airplane or, you know, banana, Then we say, oh, in Korean, that is piengi. Airplane is, and I ask him like that, airplane is, and he goes, piengi. And I say, <laughs> okay, and piengi is airplane. So now I know that he has connected those two words in his mind. Right, okay. And so, I've done that with short phrases as well. Okay. Um, so that's my, my strategy right now. Strategy right now is kind of playing a game, right? Like, how do you, how do you say this in Korean, the, the sentence that I just said, or something like that. Okay. Another way that I use this pairing is 
There are some question forms that my son is very familiar with. For example, can you say? For example. Okay. When I say, can you say, he knows that I want him to speak. So、okay. uh, sometimes I will say, can you say this? And then right after that, I'll say, Igo mareba,、mm. which was the equivalent in Korean. Yes. And so I'm pairing the phrases by saying them one after the other. And I always try to use the same form, the same sentence form. So if I say, can you say, then I'm going to say, mareba.、So、this, you know, something, heba is、right. the way they say it in Korean. And he has started to pick up on that. Okay. So. After I've paired the two, then later on I will just use the Korean one and say, Hey, Jayu, you know, heba, baba baba, heba, and use the Korean version and see if he responds. And if he responds, then I know he understood. I have a question that's a little bit off topic here, but、mm. I'm curious.、What's、have、that? you noticed him using novel Korean words that you haven't taught him? Um, he taught me a word recently. For, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't know why he was saying it, but I could guess. Okay. He said the word for like, it's a sound word. There are lots of sound words in Korean. Too many, in my opinion. <laughs> he said this word, tengarang, tengarang. And I was、okay. like, why does he keep saying that? I don't know what that is, but he was, he was throwing coins on the ground. Okay. And so I figured out that it was the like ding, 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 you know, the sound、uh, of the coins hitting the ground. And、okay. later on, my mother in law told me that that is the word they, that she uses when she talks about coins to、uh, him. Okay. Like, oh, tengrang, tengrang. And he pours the coins on the ground. He likes、okay. to do that. Nice. So that must be encouraging then because、yeah. it's. He's learning Korean naturally as well. It's、mm -hmm. not just the, the Korean that you're teaching him with effort, right? He's picking up、mm -hmm. stuff from his environment, from his grandma.、Mm -hmm. That's great. So, the first tip was to make them feel like they need the language、mm -hmm. somehow, maybe、mm -hmm. with a game or、uh, with a lifestyle choice.、Mm -hmm. uh, the second tip is pairing. So, pairing words and pairing phrases. In context. So if we see an airplane flying by, I say, Jayu, what's that? And he says, airplane. And then I say, and in Korean, airplane is. And he goes, Piengi. Now I know he knows that word. Right. right. So pairing in context. Okay. And what about the third tip? The third tip is expose them to consistent. Interesting content in that language. Okay, expose them to consistent, interesting content.、Mm -hmm. So, for a two year old, I would imagine that's storybooks, maybe some、mm -hmm. cartoons, something like that. Yes. So, we will usually read the same storybook for a week or two, not every day, but Repetitively. Sometimes we read it two or three times in a row. My son likes to read it again. He says, again, again, when we get <laughs> to the end of it. Yeah. But what I mean by consistent here is actually the characters. I think that the 
that children recognize characters just like they recognize people. Okay. So if they see the same character every time, and that character is always speaking, then the language starts to feel more familiar to them, right? And if they are interested in the content, they will want to continue reading about it or watching it and consuming that content. So it makes the language a part of their life. Okay, so it's more personal, maybe, right? Because I think some children develop kind of relationships with the characters that they meet、yes. in storybooks all the time. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, they can relate it. Oh, this. Guy, I don't know. What are some of the characters that he likes these days? For example,、um, Pororo is a Korean、uh, cartoon character. I guess we say、cartoon. penguin, right? He's a penguin. Yeah, he's a, he's a penguin. And my son knows that Pororo is in Korean because whenever we have shown him Pororo, we show him、uh, the, the videos in Korean. Okay. And the same with books. He remembers characters from books and he calls them by their Korean name. So I said, Oh, you know, even if we are speaking English, he will say, I saw Koi Najashi yesterday. So that's like the Mr. Mr. Giant or something. Yeah.、Um, so he'll use the English phrase and say, I saw Koi Najashi yesterday, but he'll put the Korean word in there. So.、Mm-hmm. I use pairing after that and I repeat the sentence he said in Korean. Oh, koi najushi pasta? And then I, I have paired the correct Korean sentence with the sentence he just said in that context.、Okay. So timing is very important, I think. Pairing in context and、uh, fam- keeping familiar characters in their life. So, for example, maybe、uh, some Korean parents who want to teach their children English, maybe they have a stuffed animal,、mm-hmm. like a, a doll or a bear or a teddy bear or something like that. And that bear always speaks English to the child.、Mm-hmm. So the mo- mother or father can speak for the bear. Right. And if the child learns that, oh, you know, this bear only speaks English, then maybe it will、uh, make English feel more necessary for them to speak. That will make them feel like they need it. That's the first tip. Right. 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 And the parent can use pairing in context to help the child learn new words with the bear. Jeremy, one last question for you here before we wrap things up. Jeremy, I know that a lot of immigrants in North America, maybe they're from China or Korea or Japan, when they have children, they grow up speaking English, right? Even though the parents are native Chinese speakers, let's say. Spanish. Spanish speakers. Spanish speakers, too.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. When the children grow up, they tend to be. Monolingual or not strong speakers of the parents' native language.、Mm-hmm. And so, what they do is they send their children to Saturday school 
where they can take <laughs> Spanish classes or Chinese classes or whatever language classes. Mm-hmm. When your son grows up and is a little bit older, will you consider sending him to a school like this? Um, well, when I was growing up, a lot of my friends went to Chinese school or Spanish school or Korean school uh, on Saturday or after school. And all I know is they all hated it. <laughs> my friend, all my friends told me that they hated going to another school on Saturday. I can understand that. Yeah, me yeah. too. Yeah. And, you know, I learned Korean without taking any formal language classes. Mm-hmm. And I also have learned Spanish without taking any formal classes, although I don't speak Spanish as well. Right. Um, so, personally, I won't send my son to a school like that. Uh, I feel confident that I can work with him as he grows up mm-hmm. and use my skills as a language teacher to help him learn both languages. So I won't do that, but I can definitely see why some parents would choose to do that. Okay. So I, I can't say that I think it's necessarily a good or a bad thing. It probably really depends on the school, but my opinion is that real language learning happens in real life. Right. So it's very hard to... Teach language in a classroom setting because the classroom is not real life, usually. <laughs> not real life, yeah. And I think these schools, they're not just about language. Sometimes they're about culture too, right? Immigrants True. want their children to know the culture of their home. And so when they are gathered with students from a similar cultural background, they can, can learn a little bit. More about the culture of the home country, perhaps. I don't know. I've never gone to these schools, but I think that's what they do. Well, Jeremy, thanks for coming back and clarifying some of your ideas here about how to raise a bilingual child. I'm sure out of our listeners, there are some people. Who have done this successfully. And guys, this is something that I really know nothing about. Jeremy is more of an expert than I am, but I think we would both be interested to hear about your experiences. If you have raised a child bilingually, send us an email and let us know how you did it. We would be really interested in reading those kinds of stories. So our email address is contact at culips.com and if you want to stay up to date with all of the news here at culips you can follow us on social media we're on what youtube instagram twitter facebook you can find us everywhere on social media so follow us and stay up to date finally the study guide for this episode is on culips.com right now so if you want to download the study guide study again with this episode then just visit culips.com to give it a download we'll be back soon with another brand new episode and we'll talk to you then 
Goodbye, everyone. Bye, everyone. <laughs>